0: Color me dead. This is a true crime podcast, and we talk about murder and fuckery most foul in detail while using the darkest of humor. If you don't
1: like words like fuck and cunt, then you probably shouldn't listen. But if you do, then join us
0: while we fuck your feelings. This is episode 108.
1: 108? Oh, I was still looking at, I was looking at the paper.
0: I think. I and think it it's 108. It is.
1: But I looked at it and I was like, I hundred and I don't know. I didn't know. I still can't believe we're at 100 and something and that we're two years. We totally skipped doing our happy two years to us, but we can do it now. Happy two years. Oh, oh yeah. Happy two years. To us. Okay. To you. I still have a little bit to go. That's okay. I still have four months to go. <laughs> if you would like to find us. On social media. hmm uh-huh. You can. You can go to those <laughs> apps. There's yeah. one called Facebook. Okay. Download it on your phone. Go to Facebook.com, and you can find Color Me Dead Podcast. You can also find the Color Me Dead Podcast group. It's where a group of fucked off people like us go be assholes <laughs> and inappropriate. We also have an Instagram on the Instagram app.
0: Uh, okay if you want to find us <laughs> if you'd like to find us on instagram go do that you can find us at color me dead podcast you can find nikki at gory underscore nikki and angel at color me dead angel and twitter at color me dead pod
1: oh yeah i forget about twitter
0: i think that just about covers it
1: i started going on twitter for a minute and then i forgot you can also mail a shit at p.o box 1610 fernal utah 84078 you know anything glittery for me (laughs) it's great it's great some fucking glitter (laughs) oh my god it's great it's great if you want to get some merchandise of our podcast you can go to color me dead Com.
0: lots of designs lots of things go now go now you buy
1: yes you buy shit you buy
0: buy shit wear stuff
1: you tell people listen to podcasts see my shirt get your shirt
0: get your shirt
1: um we want to say thank you to all of our patreon
0: pledgers oh my god thanks for pledging thanks for pledging to our patreon 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 and thank you to our examinators melissa morgan and shara hoffman thank you thank you so thank you
1: okay now we can
0: continue and now we continue forward with the month of june some stories we have for you What I have for you guys today is in line with the LGBTQ crimes from last week. And this one is actually one of the most famous bank robberies ever. And for those of you who don't know who Little John is, well, just sit right back and I'll tell you. It ranks up there in one of my favorite stories and there's actually a movie that was inspired for this story called dog day afternoon this is a case of 1972 new york bank heist committed by john waterwitz do you like how i actually put it in parentheses how to say it
1: i really was really happy that you did that i was like (laughs) oh god (laughs) yes Wadowitz. Like on Facebook, how do you pronounce your name?
0: Yes. Uh so John Wadowitz is a gentleman He was born in New York City in 1945. He was born to a Polish father and an Italian-American mother. As a young man, Wadowitz was a Barry Goldwater Republican, a member of the Republican Party whose policies resembled those of Barry Goldwater, including support for the smallest government possible at a federal level, fiscal conservatism, internationalist, neoconservative, and an anti-communist foreign policy, as well as social libertarianism. He lived with his doting mother for decades, and he was a loving sibling to his brother who was special needs. He was basically leading a normal life, (Parentheses, parentheses, finger quotes,
1: finger.
0: finger quotes, a normal life in the late 1960s. He was a bank teller for Chase Manhattan, and he had married a co-worker by the name of Carmen Bifulco. He fought in the Vietnam War, and afterwards, he had come home and had to... Two children. Two of them. Two of them. Two children. He had two children with his wife, Carmen. The pair married in 1967. 19- <laughs> the pair married in 1967, but Wadowitz had been keeping a secret from his new bride. Secret dun dun dun. dun 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 It was during his stint in the army that Wadawitz claimed he realized that he was sexually attracted to men. During the relationship, Bifulco said that Wadawitz was very demanding and bossy, and eventually the couple divorced. Mm. Now I feel like when a person gets divorced, there is probably more than he was bossy and demanding when you sign the divorce papers. Uh-huh. I'm just saying.
1: I mean, considering I'm like a pro at this divorce, meeting, <laughs> there's usually oh. a little bit more than that.
0: Just say like, eh, you know, there's probably a little bit more. However, while in the military, he had his very first gay encounter during basic training. And this these are his words, courtesy of a hillbilly by the name of Wilbur. <laughs> I'm... All right, Wilbur. 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 <laughs> All right.
1: <coughs> She's got a horrifying visual. I'm yeah. In it and be like, Wilbur.
0: Wilbur. Oh man, take take Do that me out. me
1: Hard, Wilbur.
0: Oh my God, make me squeal like a pig, Wilbur. <laughs> oh. <laughs> No! No, I don't like it. Oh, fuck. It reminds me of that show, Mr. Ed. Wilbur! Oh, no. Mr. Ed. Hello. I'm Mr. Ed. While in the military, he'd had his first gay encounter in basic training, courtesy of what he calls a hillbilly by the name of Wilbur, before being sent off to Vietnam. When he returned home, he was not only keeping his sexuality a secret, he was dealing with the fallout of his wartime experiences, including one that he was one of the only survivors of a rocket attack on his base. So on top of dealing with the fact that he was realizing he was a homosexual man, he also was serving... Um, not serving he was also dealing with service ptsd Mm -hmm. and survivor's guilt basically yeah
1: a lot of emotions
0: right as his mother terry later said when he was a kid he was good no trouble the service screwed him all up after being discharged from the service in 67 and quickly marrying Carmen, John Wadowitz couldn't live his life for long. He separated from his wife in 69 and he joined the Gay Activist Alliance in addition to taking up with a string of male lovers. By his own admission, Wadowitz said that he was a sex addict and a polygamist. He said that when he joined the Gay Activist Alliance, quote, I met people. I liked them. We had sex. Nevertheless, Wadawitz was ahead of his time and was openly gay in a time that America had little tolerance for the burgeoning gay liberation movement. In fact, he played a key role in the Gay Activist Alliance, where he gave himself a nickname, the nickname Little John, because <laughs> this is his, because my prick was little. At least you're Are honest. You
1: serious. Yeah. Okay, well, at least he wasn't trying to lead anybody. A stray, he wasn't like my name's Big John because yeah. I'm packing a big dick.
0: <laughs> no, he's like, My name's Little John, and it's because I got a little prick. You're like, me mm, yeah, right, yeah,
1: <clears throat> okay. Thank you it, for your honesty, sir.
0: Thank you. We appreciate your honesty. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was actually the same year that he met Liz Eden, who was born Ernest R. Ar- oh. <laughs> Who was born Ernest Aaron in 1971? The same year, the pair married, and I use that with finger quotes because it was an unofficial ceremony, and it was a it was one that would have been pretty um, looked down on in New York City, of course, right? Um, because an official ceremony wasn't possible at the time, mm-hmm. and this all took. This all took place at the Feast of San Gennaro in New York City. Wadowitz enlisted a gay priest to marry him in Eden. It was the first public drag wedding in history of the United States, claims Wadowitz.
1: Well, and obviously it wasn't okay then, because it wasn't okay until a few years ago, which blows my mind.
0: I know. God. Now... This is something that was explained by another member of the Gay Alliance. He said Lizzie was his number one. John Miller explained, an ex-lover of Wadowitz. Jay was a gay. John was a gay polygamist, but he was all about Lizzie. He loved her. He was obsessed. The rest of us were merely a distraction. In August of 1972, Eden had been sectioned to the Bellevue Hospital after attempting to commit suicide with a drug overdose. Her depression was brought on by her desire for gender reassignment surgery. She had been a woman trapped in the wrong body. We had our ups and downs, as most couples do. I tried my best to get him the money he needed for his sex change that he wanted so badly, said Wadowitz. Eden had longed for gender reassignment and an idea that Wadowitz was originally opposed to until eden had actually been hospitalized for the suicide attempt oh. he didn't want her right. to be any different than she already was but gender reassignment surgery i mean it's expensive now i can only imagine what it was then
1: and that they did it then
0: i think it was um i i'm I, and this is me Making assumptions, guys. This is not me doing any actual research. I don't think that the surgeries then were nearly as elaborate no. or well done. Yeah. I think it was more of a wax stick and stitch mm. situation. However, it gave people an opportunity, if they were male to female transition, it gave them more of a a body that they felt good about.
1: Yeah. I get it, yeah. I just can't believe that <clears throat> back then, like, so close-minded with everything that they actually had surgeons that did it.
0: Well, not so much in the United States, because they were going to have to travel internationally in order to have this done. Mm. So... The gender reassignment surgery, Wadowitz didn't have that kind of money, but he did come up with a solution for this. Eager to get the money for gender reassignment surgery for Eden, although some claim that John Wadowitz actually carried out this robbery to pay back money he owed to the mafia, which he disagrees. Huh? Huh? I said, eh. Eh, we don't know yet.
1: Technicalities here. Hello. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know.
0: Wadowitz soon put together a plan with a team that would help him rob a bank. Initially, he recruited Bobby Westenberg and Salvatore Natural, whom he had met previously at a gay bar, to help him with this heist. Now, the trio were a bunch of bumblefucking idiots, okay? Uh-oh. Let me explain all the reasons why. The heist initially was the three of them going in, and this was far from professional. They simply drove around New York on August 22nd, 1972, looking for a bank to rob, Okay. Okay. So we're just gonna we're gonna circle around the block a few times and when we see one that looks good enough to rob, we're we gonna rob it. We
1: we just can go in there, we're gonna take their money and we're gonna leave.
0: And then we out, okay? At first the, the okay, so the first bank that they decided that they were going to rob, they ran in, accidentally dropped the shotgun they had with them, and it caused the, the gun to go off. It discharged. Now they managed to flee, but they fled without their gun. God. Oh, uh, mm-hmm. Oh, Lord. Uh, <laughs> Lord Jesus, there's no shotgun because we bl- dropped it. And this... Th- I'm sorry, but when you drop a shotgun, it shouldn't automatically discharge. So no. whichever gun that, th- that you had, it was a shit gun. And it's probably best that you left it so you didn't accidentally shoot yourself in the fucking face. Uh,
1: exactly. Because... Oh or, my god, what you just said.
0: <laughs> uh, you no. shouldn't drop a gun and have the motherfucker discharge. just saying. No. <clears throat> I have dropped my weapons on accident more than once. Yes. Never have any of my rifles or pistols gone off.
1: No, it's called safety till you're ready to fire, motherfuckers.
0: Keep your finger off the trigger. Sa-
1: yeah.
0: This... Right here, the safety mechanism. What doesn't make it go pew, pew, pew?
1: <laughs> it makes it so you can't pull that trigger thingy. Yeah.
0: Anyway. Now, oh they they had actually gone and seen the Godfather, okay, recently, like earlier that day. So, they had gone into the second bank. Westenberg ran into a friend of his mother's prior to going into the second bank, and he called it off. He was like, nope, nope, we're going to get caught. Things. This all smells bad. Which is all fine and well because it did go bad. So Bobby Westenberg boned out, saw somebody that knew him, and he was like, no thank you, and bailed. Which, good for you, because this mm. did go absolutely fucking sideways. They had finally decided on a chase bank in the Gravesend, Gravesend section of Brooklyn. They entered, slipped the bank teller a note, and... F- <laughs> I giggle because, paraphrased on this note, was simply something from the film that was like, "This is an offer you can't refuse."
1: <laughs> Don't refuse this; you'll <laughs> kick yourself in the ass later. Like so it's an investment
0: opportunity, right? Now this basically kicks off the biggest media circus New York has ever seen. Like this is embroiled in history forever, ever. ever. Around two fifty on the twenty second of August, nineteen seventy two, Wadowitz and his accomplice Salvatore Natural walked into that bank on avenue E, third street okay walk in i don't know what that means because in the state that we live in everything is on a grid yeah so if you have avenues and shit we have like one and i live on it <laughs> yeah you do <laughs> And it is the only avenue we have. So when people start naming streets, I get lost. I'm like, dude, is it north, east, south, or west? Give me a fucking coordinate. And they're like, what? It's on the corner of fucking Airport Avenue and Bellevue. And I'm like, that doesn't mean anything to me. I'm from Utah.
1: When I moved to Colorado, I was like, how do you find shit over here?
0: You have to learn your fucking cross streets.
1: Yeah, you have to know them. If you don't know this street, oh, yeah. you're not getting there. Because here, it's like simple as shit. Like- if somebody
0: tells you 2178 West, 1000 North... You literally go that direction, that many blocks, Mm -hmm. and then this direction, that many blocks. From
1: the middle, the numbers go bigger the further away you go. From the (laughs) middle, you count your own north, south, east, and west. That gets really you literally.
0: It's all on a grid. So when people say Avenue P and E on Third Street, I'm like, I don't know what that fucking means. Actually, I do. I've lived in big cities. I had to learn. You learn your fucking cross streets. Yeah. So people are like Airport Avenue and Bellevue, and then you like turn right. And I'm like, okay, is after that, you basically have to tell me landmarks. Like, is there an auto zone right there? Because if there is, I'm going the right way.
1: Right. But if you're coming into Utah from somewhere else, you can just numbers.
0: Literally just go the number of blocks that yes. direction. That's.
1: Hey, we hey. finally gave Utah a a thumbs up for once.
0: Oh, right, because you you cannot
1: Utah.
0: Yay Utah! You cannot get lost in Utah, and if you do, Sari, you're simple.
1: Eight.
0: I love you guys, but you're simple. If you get lost in Utah, you're stupid.
1: I'm simple, and I can still fucking figure it. Okay, if
0: Nikki doesn't get lost in Utah,
1: right? J- <laughs> I am vacant and simple. <laughs> That's what my grandma used to call dumb people because she was like the nicest person oh. ever. And the only insult I ever heard her give was that someone was vacant and I, I thought I was going to die. Do you
0: remember when I text you? I was on break at work and I was like, I told this person that they were stale. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, honey, it's okay. You're a special breed of cabbage. You're kind of like a stale cracker. <laughs> It's all right. We don't expect much from you. <laughs>
1: you're good. You just, you be you. You be you. We don't be, expect anymore.
0: Be the brightest head of cabbage you can be.
1: You can even be purple. You I fucking. I feel like that's still a little bit out of your realm. Yes. You're green.
0: Yeah, fuck, dude. You're you are, You're a special breed of cabbage mm-hmm. you're stale like a cracker mm-hmm. sorry <clears throat> so they go into this bank this chase manhattan bank with a rifle what the two men had anticipated to be a five minute stick em up <laughs> did stick not up. it did not it turned into a 14 hour ordeal
1: and they didn't bring any snacks
0: no snacks or but,
1: but first. <laughs> Back.
0: all right so as it turned out, the branch's vault had actually been half empty, and John Wadowitz and his accomplice, they managed to seize about $38,000 in cash and about $175,000 in traveler's checks before one of the employees was able to sound the alarm. And, hi-ho the Dario, here come the policia. You
1: think that working at a Chase bank before this, he would know exactly how all their shit works, but apparently...
0: it And it really just... You, you might know some things but you never really know when the like the brinks truck is coming with the money exactly. and you net like we actually had once upon a time i worked for a bank a really well-known bank and usually banks do not keep especially the smaller branches they do not keep that kind of money in there yeah. however we also knew that there were going to be a lot of checks cashed due to an oil purchase sale and members of a an elite group were going to get very large checks and we knew that people were going to be cashing those checks so when the truck did arrive and this is several years several years ago when the truck did arrive and they started like carting money into the bank on like dollies and shit i was like i looked at my boss and i'm like this makes me wildly uncomfortable to know that there's like a half a million dollars in cash coming into the bank right now and she's like it'll all be gone by the end of the day no shit. It was. It, oh, fuck Damn. yeah. M- a lot of the people that had these checks, they were in between 40 and 54,000 dollars. They did not put the checks into the bank. They cashed them. They cashed them. Some people had them um, direct deposited. Almost everybody had them direct deposited. Some came in with paper checks. Now, these paper checks, they slid them across, signed them, and they were like, we want cash. And you're like, fuck. Now, the people that got them direct deposited literally were coming in and they're like, we want to make a withdrawal of $22,000. And they looked at us with serious faces and wanted $22,000. In cash,
1: I would never, ever, ever, ever want that much cash. Like, if I have a thousand dollars in cash, I'm like, oh
0: god, I'm gonna lose it. Help me! So, Policia arrives. Now, when the FBI surrounded the bank, as they attempted to leave, they basically like ran out. They were like, oh shit, and they go back in. The two men. They're like, ah, shit. So the guys retreat back into the bank, and they held seven bank employees hostage. Whale. This entire thing has been televised because everybody in New York has a fucking camera, and of course, they all zip down there like Channel 4 fucking news. Woo-woo-woo. And they're filming all of this, okay? Yeah, like,
1: never mind, we surrender. We, I changed my mind.
0: I ne- Nope, nope, that's not what happened.
1: Did anybody bring snacks?
0: <laughs> so Wadowitz attempted to bargain with them. He... <laughs> This is this is what he asked for. He said, "Well, I wanted them to deliver my wife here from Bellevue." He said, "His name is Ernest Aaron. He's a guy. I'm gay." He told the ne- he told the negotiator all about his private business. Mm-hmm. He also demanded a private jet so that he could fly his lover to Denmark for her surgery. Now you will hear us say her and him in this one a lot, and it's not because I'm being a prick and using inappropriate pronouns. It's because he wanted to be she and. Wadowitz continually called him a, he. Him, a he, he, him a he and not a her yes. um, because he was very much against this gender reassignment mm-hmm. thing. So uh, he ordered pizza for everybody. See? He was cool about that. Like, he brought pizza. He also, and I don't know if he was just trying to, like, win over the hearts of the people, but he was tossing cash out the windows to people. And there were a bunch of spectators and shit, and he's, like, throwing fucking cash out there and giving really weird interviews and shit. He also allowed the hostages to call home and, like, tell their people, hey, I'm okay, I'm not being beaten or mistreating." Mistreaten.
1: Treating I'm not being mistreated. Yeah, I'm just,
0: I'm just being held hostage. But I am okay. I've,
1: I've had pizza. So you guys go ahead and eat. I don't know when I'll be. <laughs> I home. don't know when I'm going to be
0: home yet. Now, in addition to the FBI agents, the police, the journalists, and the snipers that were posted on the rooftops, there were about two thousand rowdy ass spectators, including Wadowitz's own mother. Oh my god! That are just chilling in the fucking boiling hot streets of New York, watching this all go down. So basically everybody within a 15 block radius in new york has now arrived to this chase manhattan bank in brooklyn to watch this entire thing unfold there uh one of the the journalists that had been on the scene said he was like it's a full-blown shit show he was like there's a brooklyn crowd that is not going to disperse tonight it's true they didn't they all hung out like all fucking day they were like nope nope this is where we're at today Yes. Said even the hostages had a certain fondness for Wadowitz, and they were less scared of him, but simply said, like, dude, we're tired. Like, we've been here all fucking day. A teller, Shirley Ball, recalled, I realized that he was friendly and had a purpose for robbing the bank, and he really did think he was just going to be in and out. <laughs> so, eventually, Robert Capstadter got that interview when he called the bank on a whim, and Wadowitz himself picked up the phone. Caught off guard, Capstadter opened the conversation with... So, how's it going?
1: <laughs> how's it going?
0: And Wada snaps back. He's like, "How do you think it's going? You're sitting outside watching this all go down. We're fucking tired. We're out of pizza. It's time to wrap this bitch up."
1: I just want the money. Just give me the money. Just give I'll me the let fucking money. We'll go. Everybody else, can go home. Let's just do this. Well, can
0: we finally be done? Well, it was around two thirty in the morning. FBI. Um, had gotten a two-engine Hansa jet brought to the airport. About an hour later, there was an, a limousine that had pulled up to the bank, and just like Wadowitz had asked, they all jumped in, okay? Wadowitz came came out of the bank. He had the rifle over his shoulder and had checked to make sure that nobody was hiding in the limousine to ambush them. Now, satisfied that everybody was going to be hunky-dory, they climb in with natural, Salvatore natural, and the seven hostages as well as the 20 29,000 in loot they had stolen they drove to the airport. Well, it was an FBI agent who was behind the wheel and when they arrived at 4:45 a.m., they stop, people start piling out, but when the when the well they weren't getting out quite yet. When the vehicle reached the airplane and they kicked the doors open and they're going to start departing, the FBI agent that was driving the limousine swings around, shoots Salvatore in the chest and killed him almost instantly.
1: Damn.
0: Like, yeah. Now Wadowitz was apprehended and he was unharmed in the in the entire scheme of things. None of the passengers passengers, hostages. No, like passengers. Uh, fuck they it, whatever. Long for the ride. They were just slung for the ride. None of the hostages were hurt. The only person that took a shot and died was his accomplice, Salvatore. So he Wadawitz was apprehended. He was unharmed. He was sentenced to twenty years in a federal prison, but not before addressing the judge, okay He said, <laughs> "Don't you love your wife?" And the judge says, "Yeah." He said, well, imagine your wife is dying of cancer and you need $10,000 and you can't get it. You try everything and nobody will give it to you. You try to borrow it. You try to make deals. Nothing works out. Wouldn't you do something illegal to get the $10,000 to save your wife? The judge says no. So, Wadawitz looks at him. He says, then you don't fucking love your wife because if you loved your wife, you would do anything to save her. You don't even know what the fuck love is all about. And then the judge sentenced him.
1: Damn but no kidding though if you wouldn't do everything that you possibly could i don't know i don't know if i would i don't know bank.
0: i don't know if i'd rob a bank but i can certainly appreciate the yes. band's vigorous attempts to get everything eden wanted mm-hmm. to make her better right well, while in prison, he was actually able to see the movie that was fashioned after him, which is Dog Day Afternoon. And he took in the lead performance of Val Pacino, who he very much liked because, dun-dun-dun, he also, of course, starred in The Godfather, which Wadawitz watched the day of the robbery. Oh, damn. Yeah, right. He, so he actually played Wadawitz in Dog Day Afternoon. So, of course, he's like, oh, this is amazing. Well, well the warden originally objected to Wadowitz being able to see the film um, because Woodward had threatened to start the biggest prison riot you ever saw, hmm. well, he was eventually he was eventually permitted to watch the movie. Um, in the company of just one single guard. So it was just him and just the guard. So it wasn't, you know, quite the riot he thought he was going to start. I bet
1: that guard got an earful of what's right and what was wrong in the movie. Like, no, they got this He wrong.
0: actually did. So he said that although he described it as a very moving experience, he sent a letter to the editor of the New York Times protesting that the film did not show the whole truth. And little... And the little it did show was constantly twisted and distorted. He said the biggest problem with the film hinted very dramatically that I made some kind of deal to to betray my partner, Sal. And Sal was the one that was shot in the chest by mm-hmm. FBI. He said this wasn't true, and there is no human... he he said there's no human being alive low enough in the world to let the FBI kill their partner in order for them to survive well there
1: is
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's not exactly correct
1: let's go revisit history here
0: Waterwitz had issues with the casting of his wife Carmen stating that the film made her look horrible and inferred that I left her and wound up in the man or in a gay man's arms because of her Like she treated him so poorly and she was such a horrible woman that it flung Wadowitz into the arms of a gay man. And he didn't like that because he said that Carmen was actually a really, a really good woman. He said that this is completely untrue. And I feel sorry for the actress having to play such a horrible role. Damn. Because Carmen wasn't like that. He said that he was like, I was going to end up in the arms of a man regardless. So you guys made Carmen out to be this horrifying woman that's not the case
1: making it seem like it's her fault that, right like oh women are so bad I'm just gonna go be gay which, well no.
0: I I don't know I'm sure that has happened in the course of history but it just wasn't true for this piece of history. now let's see Whatwoods's issues with the film aside it was a hit and both critics and audiences loved this movie making back its budget more than 20 times and receiving six academy award nominations winning one for its screenplay after the after the film came and went Wadowitz got his release from prison he moved back to new york he had actually only served five years of his sentence at the lewisburg federal penitentiary he nicknamed this is my favorite okay he nicknamed himself nicknamed himself the dog and gave the money that he had been paid for his rights to the story, as well as 1% of the film's earning to Eden. And she Aww. was, I know, and she was finally able to have her gender reassignment surgery that she had wanted for so long. Aww. Unfortunately, eventually, Eden did break up with Wadowitz and she died of AIDS-related pneumonia in 1987. Wadowitz attended the funeral and gave a eulogy, declaring, I loved him. I didn't want him to get his sex, his sex change, but I wanted him to be happy.
1: That clearly shows that he wanted him to be happy because after all that, even though you don't necessarily want the sex change, you still gave him the money Uh to get it done.
0: So that Eden Um. could be who she wanted to be. Um, Even when she left him, didn't want to be with him anymore, which probably broke his heart but suited him because he was a gay man. Right. He didn't want to be with a woman. Yeah. But he still loved that person enough to be like, okay, but I still want you to be happy. Yeah. Aw. Aw. John Wadwitz spent the rest of his days in New York. At one point, he actually applied for a job as a guard at Chase Bank Manhattan, <laughs> Cleaning, I'm the guy from Dog Day Afternoon, and if I'm guarding your bank, nobody's going to rob the dog's bank. Well, they declined. <laughs> what? Yeah, they did not give him a job. You know what? If I had been the chairperson of that bank, I'd have been like, fuck it, we're hiring him for nothing more than like publicity.
1: Right, like because people will come to that bank because they have the guy who tried to rob the bank. Right, door guarding the
0: bank. I don't give a fuck. It's I've heard this from multiple people. They were like, you know what? Any publicity, even bad uh, publicity. That's what it sounds like when you take your boat out of the ocean. (laughs) (laughs) Go get a boat. Don't get a boat. boat. A boat. Uh, Even bad publicity is publicity like there's really no such thing ask kim kardashian i mean
1: she has more haters than anybody i've ever seen
0: she's still famous as fuck and don't get me wrong like i'm not a huge fan of the woman but
1: i still watch their show i do not it might be every now and then i don't like religiously watch it but if i flip through and it's on i'm like
0: do you get sucked in
1: a little bit. And then oh like, fuck, no! fuck, what did I just do? Stop. 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 Make- Somebody do it. Somebody I change it.
0: Have I watched the Kardashians in the past? Yes, I have. Do I watch it? No, I do not. I don't even have cable. Um, I find their family to be like, it's the equivalent of chewing on a dirty baby diaper for me.
1: Right. And I think <laughs> that's why I get sucked in. Because I'm like, are you people fucking really like this? I don't are know. Are you really like this? Like, you are so dumb and so annoying they are so far up each other's asses the shit out of you and your problems oh man with your chloe thinks she's fat shit fuck you i would kill to have chloe's body i would kill to look like her i would be flashing that shit all over and telling everybody to fuck off yes i am the fat sister go fuck yourself because i look better than you
0: i don't their entire existence is very odd to me i don't like it but whatever
1: I like the one that's Whatever. the model because she's, like, doing shit. Who,
0: Jenner? She, which Jenner yeah. is that? Kylie and... I don't know. Uh, Kendall. Yeah,
1: and I don't know which one I, she
0: is. I, Kendall, they're both, but Kendall is the one that hasn't had any surgeries to make herself look like a yeah. Kardashian. But from what I understand, and I, I don't know how much of this is accurate, but I do follow Victoria's Secrets, and I do follow um, a lot of the shit on Instagram with cosmetics. Yeah, yeah. Um, it has been proposed that the only reason she was accepted as a Victoria Angel model is because of her name, not wow. because she actually had the talent in which to do so. And I don't know if that's accurate or not. I don't find Kendall or Kylie to be attractive. And Kylie Jenner, when she's like, "I haven't had any surgeries, bitch." Bullshit, yes, you have. You right? had she's, all she's the surgeries, right? huh? She's the one that looks like more of a Kardashian now. She had her nose done. She had her jaw and her chin done. She had her lips done. She's she had, had her had ass had and had her, her boobies. Butt. Yeah, her ass and her boobies. Which, by the by, just so you guys know. Uh, i and i'm not getting down on anybody for it like if you want to go and have body alteration what do they call that body enhancement surgery which fuck awesome if i had the fucking money i'd do it too i would be on the table right now i wouldn't be talking to you bitches i would be getting getting some shit done however don't don't sit and pat yourself on the back that you look a certain way and then be like i haven't had any surgeries yes you fucking have the other thing is when people see kim kardashian Was like, oh, she broke the internet with these photos. Kim Kardashian has a garbage bag full of fucking cottage cheese for an ass. They edit those photos so heavily. They actually hire, they talked about this in yet another Joe Rogan. Episode. if you guys are interested, they actually hire their own paparazzi to go take pictures of them and then before they release these photos, they are so fucking edited. They are heavily edited before they're released. If you had any idea what Kim Kardashian's back half looked like prior to being edited, it is not appealing. She has a baby diaper booty. It is not cute. It's not.
1: It's not. I don't. And there's... I have a big ass, right? Even when I'm skinny, I have a big ass. But you there do. is no way that you can have that small of a waist and that big of an ass.
0: I- um, back the ranch, John Wadowitz did get declined on being a security guard for Chase Manhattan Bank. He actually died in 2006 of cancer. Um, he died on welfare Aww. of cancer.
1: That sucks.
0: Because he gave all him money away. Which I actually think that's still pretty amazing in the grand scheme of things. It is. It is. It is. It's pretty awesome. I still think it's funny that he tried to be a security guard. I had to hired him.
1: I would have hired the shit out of that motherfucker. I would have been like, yes, absolutely Yes. Maybe these days it would happen. I don't know. But he used to work there. I mean, when he worked there, he was fine. It was just when he tried to rob it. It was 14 hours, okay? Don't judge the man on 14 hours. Just kidding. All right. Now that we're finished with that story, we're going to move on to more of our LGBTQ crimes that we were doing last week. We're going to add a few more on this week. Yes. Yes. And the first one we will do is the handsomest serial killer. A handful of serial killers have been gay men with such internalized homophobia that they struck out at other men, like John Wayne Gacy and Jeffrey Dahmer. But the case of Andrew Philip Cunanan signaled a turning point in how police and the gay community worked together to prevent predation and capture predators. Cunanan was a swarthy, bright and handsome young gay man who was intensely concerned about his appearance and status in life. As early as his teens, he was known to come up with fantastic tales about himself to impress his peers. A preppy son of a stockbroker, Cunanan moved after college to San Francisco's Castro District, where he developed relationships with many sugar daddies,
0: Ah, uh, uh, yeah, good for you. Support this. I support this. <laughs> I support this. <laughs>
1: who supported his lifestyle? He was no street hustler, though. Nicole Ramirez Murray, a San Diego columnist who knew Cunanan, told the Washington Post that Cunanan modeled himself after Richard Gere in American Gigolo. Even dressed, even dressing like the character. His wealthy, older gay benefactors gifted him with cars, European vacations, and cash. Yeah, you. I see nothing wrong
0: with this. Dude, you know what? It, I'll tell you, like, my dad told me one day. I said something about... <clears throat> being a sugar baby and possibly being a stripper. Yes. Um to which my stepfather lovingly replied, You're sitting on a gold mine, you might as well cash in on it.
1: Fuck yeah. If I had that gold mine but I don't I'm old and fat and
0: I'm I'm, I'm old, old as out. fuck now. Like there's yeah. no way
1: There is no being a sugar baby for me, so
0: Up until I was about twenty six I probably could have gotten away with some shit. <laughs> I don't know, I could some still shit. get away with some shit right now. <laughs> i do get away with go in my house look at all the things that have four legs i do still get away with some yeah, shit I think
1: you pretty, you've got it you've got it pretty decent there you're i ain't girl.
0: fucking suffering by any means
1: <laughs> your man takes care of you when he's like okay baby okay <laughs> it's the baby cutest doll. damn thing when I he know. looks at me he's
0: like okay baby doll
1: and i'm always like oh <laughs> It's <laughs> so cute. Say it again. <laughs> I know.
0: Okay, baby doll. You're my babe. Always. You're my babe. Yes, I am. Give me things.
1: Yes, I am.
0: Like <laughs> <laughs> at me and give me things. And usually all I really want is like a gerbil. Oh. Don't take that the wrong way. Well, I like critters. No. No, I'm not Richard Gear. we talking about Richard
1: no. Gear, so is that where we're going with this?
0: Proceed forward, dickhead. <laughs>
1: But youth is fleeting, and Cunanan, be- no, Cunanan began to lose his appeal and his lovers. I feel you, bro. He started getting sick and had taken an HIV test but never returned for the results, instead, of con- instead convincing himself that he was HIV positive. He became depressed and reportedly let himself go physically after another one of his lovers left him. Jeffrey Trail and Cunanan dated when the two lived in San Diego. Trail was a closeted naval officer during a Don't, during don't Ask, Don't Tell. When he moved to Bloomington, Minnesota to manage a propane delivery company, Cunanan was reportedly heartbroken. On one visit, he noticed that another uh, one of his former flames, David Madsen, had also migrated to the Minneapolis area and became convinced that Madsen and Trail were lovers. After arguing on the phone with Trail, who denied the relationship, Cunanan told the bartender in San Francisco he would be out of town on some unfinished business. Boarded a plane within hours on April 25, 1997 and he killed Trail with a heavy claw hammer during an argument in Madsen's apartment, where the latter two men had gathered to convince Cunanan nothing was going on. In shock, Madsen helped and cover up the crime, but four days later, Cunanan drove Madsen's Jeep to a country road north of Minneapolis and put three bullets in his skull. Took care of that problem. Fuck. Yup. A few days later, Cunanan Cleaning up shop! God, I guess. Might Fuck. as well just take care of all y'all motherfuckers because you bitches be lying to me, okay? Ooh. God. God! A few days later, Cunanan accosted 72 year old Chicago developer Lee Miglin, a successful married man, in front of his home just moments after the neighbor saw Miglin standing alone. Police never ascertained whether Cunanan even knew the victim. True TV reported that Cunanan marched Miglin to his own garage, bound his wrists, wrapped his face with duct tape, and proceeded to put him through a series of tortures lifted directly from what was said to be Andrew's favorite snuff film, Target for Torture.
0: Can we not with that shit? Like, don't, don't watch fucking, no. don't watch movies and
1: where tried. people actually die. And try to mimic them.
0: Don't do it. Don't, Don't do it. not do it. Let's not. No. Don't.
1: Uh, he was pummeling him, kicking him. He drove a pair of pruning shears into the man's chest several times, muffling his screams. While Miglin still breathed, Andrew proceeded to slice his throat slowly with a hacksaw. God damn. Fuck. Afterward, Kanan. Slow your fucking roll, man. I know. Jesus Christ. Can we learn how to deal with our pent-up anger some different way, please? Ooh,
0: fuck. Calm down.
1: Uh-huh. They're up here. I need you to be down here. You're at a ten. I need you at a two.
0: Fuck it. Something.
1: Afterwards, Cunanan drove Miglin's own Lexus over the body repeatedly. Hmm... The murder was so gruesome, it was clear that Cunanan was escalating. After Miglin's murder, the FBI added added Cunanan to its 10 most wanted list. At this point, the LGBT communities in several cities were on edge, and reports of Cunanan sightings were sent to the police in multiple states. Posters of Cunanan were plastered across across the Castro, Miami's South Beach, and North Carolina's gay nightclubs in Durham. It was rare for violence to come from within the gay community. Rarer still that the police and federal investigators were listening to gay complaints. After Miglin's murder, many worried that Cunanan would return to San Francisco for the annual LGBT Parade Parade. You gonna go to the Parade? The Jesus! P- the Parade Parade! That's how we mix pride and parade. It's the oh. Parade. Damn.
0: Get it together, dude.
1: God. The Pride Parade. And some people considered bowing out of the festivities, which attracted hundreds of thousands. Turns out he was miles away. So they were fine. Less than a week after Miglin's murder, Cunanan attacked 45-year-old William Reese at the Fins Point Natural Cemetery in Pennsville, New Jersey, leaving his last stolen vehicle to taunt police and Reese's bereaved widow who found him. Fuck that. That would be h- horrible. Like after he's been ran over and all this. No. I know. No. After that Cunanan headed to Miami where he managed to evade police without seemingly trying while going to gay clubs, hanging out at the beach and local tennis courts and picking up men for occasional trips. Then, on July 15, 1997, Cunanan shot Gianni Versace outside of the wealthy fashion design star's home in South Beach and ran away as a witness tried but failed to tail him. There was no connection between the men, and forensic psychologists struggled to determine why Versace had been targeted. Many posited that perhaps Versace, a wealthy, glamorous, and attractive scion of Miami Beach, Represented to Cunanan all that he wanted and believed that he deserved, but ultimately could never have. Versace's murder led to a manhunt for Cunanan in Florida. And eight days later, as police closed in on a houseboat where Cunanan had been holed up, the serial killer used that same gun that killed Versace, stolen from his very first victim, to kill himself. He was
0: 27. 20 Dude! The world has not yet begun to fuck you at 27.
1: No, And if you've lost your looks at 27,
0: you've done something wrong. You did something horribly wrong because let me tell you all the ways I brutalized myself with drugs and alcohol and I still look pretty fucking, fucking good for 38. Yeah. Just saying. I know. Like I'm I'm almost fucking 40 and I got carded the other day for lotto tickets. And I was like, God bless you. Like, that's sweet. And she's like, you're of age, right? And I was like, sweetie i gotta be 21 to buy lotto tickets and she's like i was like i'm almost 40 she goes you don't look anything close to that and i was like
1: y- somebody give this bitch a raise you're like buy yourself a ticket how which one do you want I'm buying <laughs> i need to you. i actually
0: got to pull my my ticket because i had two plays from saturday and um wednesday i could be a fucking millionaire and not even if know you, it yet.
1: if you are don't forget about me
0: makes you think you fuck oh wait i was gonna give you a tupac
1: just give me, like, buy me dinner or something. Fuck, that's all I need. Shit. That's all I need is some well, well, we'll
0: f- get <gasps> without the wine. Uh, <laughs> without the wine. <laughs> this, this is called their organ trail. Theirs. <laughs> their. Their organ. Now, let me tell you about a story about a man named Jay. The poor mountaineer barely kept his family fed. <laughs> uh, I
1: know. I don't know that story. Dude, beverly hill i know and i'm oh. trying to think of the next but one day he was blank. shooting at
0: some grub and up from the oily cable blub blub oh Oil <laughs> well, that, that is, is. <laughs> black gold texas tea <laughs> okay <laughs> when Roxanne ellis and michelle abdell were found murdered in the back of their own pickup truck in southern oregon the media their friends and the lgbtq activists were quick to call their murderer to call their murder a hate crime. After all, the political climate in Oregon had been volatile for some years. And the women whom Friends described as the ideal lesbian couple. I wonder what that entails. I don't know. I don't know. Had been in the state's bitter fights over two Oregon state ballot initiatives. Measure 9, a constitutional amendment that would have declared homosexuality abnormal, wrong, unnatural, and perverse. Mm-hmm. Dude, I know heterosexual marriage that I think is abnormal, wrong, unnatural, and perverse. We'll start with yours. Yeah,
1: I was just gonna <laughs> say I was just in one. Sorry. Paper-wise, I'm
0: out of it. Mentally, I'm still in fucking there. Sorry, no, I don't mean to be a prick. No, I was, I, I was just waiting for you to so I could say the same you're thing. You're like, hey, I wanted you to lead into that joke so I could join you. <clears> okay. <throat> I don't know, because Measure 19, which would have banned libraries from carrying material about homosexuality? They, the, 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 yeah. <laughs> the why do I say that? The so soed Okay. The atmosphere in the Medford area was rife with tensions as gay groups battled with religious groups fiercely much throughout the 90s. But the women, both in their 50s and together for 12 years, in many were in many respects ordinary they respected local they were respected local businesswomen who ran a property management company they spent their spare time restoring their craftsman style house staying busy with their local church and spoiling the ellis's young granddaughter that all changed december 4th 1997 when ellis went to an appointment with robert ackerman a 20-something young man reportedly to show him an apartment they had for rent Ellis and Abdil were found four days later in the back of their pickup truck. Both had been bound and gagged and shot execution style. Covered with cardboard boxes, the news had shocked the town, and as police searched for the killer, numerous organizations issued cautious press releases about their slings including the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation, which said that the women's outspoken stance on gay rights had inspired speculation that they may have fallen victim to a hate crime. Police have at least one report that they, ha- that they had been threatened. Donna Redwing, who at the... She's Donna Redwing, really? <laughs> that sounds like a really bad pornography moniker. Uh-huh. Come on. How do you want me? Is that to- a
1: self proclaimed name? Or-
0: <laughs> yeah, was that that's legit? Like, is she native? Or is that something like you came up with that by your long term? Nice. <clears throat> All right. Donna Redwing, who at the time was a Portland based Glad field director, said, We don't know why Roxanne and Michelle were targeted. Was it because they were lesbian activists or because they were women? Was it a random act of violence? We don't have those answers yet. The National Gay and Lesbian Task Force asked then. Attorney General Janet Reno to have the Department of Justice work with the Medford police on the killings because they should be considered hate crimes. And yet, many in the gay community and on the police force said other activists were too quick to call these hate crimes. Ackerman's mother, oops. My pages are stuck together with oh, <laughs> With spit. Ackerman's mother called the police, saying she believed her son was responsible for the crimes, later telling the Oregonian that she had called authorities because I have to look God in the face. I will do anything in my power to make sure that other people are not hurt. After Ackerman's arrest, debate still raged over whether these murders were actual hate crimes. Even the advocates, Inga Sorensen, wrote about the aftermath of the murders, with the headline that read, Rush to Judgment. The killer reiterated repeatedly that the shootings had nothing to do with their sexual orientation and that, he simp- and that he was simply robbing the women. But he also said that he didn't care for lesbians and believed that the women's lesbianism was sick. Bisexual women don't bother me a bit, said Ackerman later in an interview. I couldn't help but think that Ellis is 54 years old and had been dating a woman for 12 years. Isn't that sick? That's someone's grandma. For God's sake.
1: Jesus
0: yeah go okay fuck go yourself. fuck yourself could you imagine my grandma a lesbian with another woman well did you want her to be a lesbian with a llama usually when you're a you lesbian choose. it's with another woman yeah i mean you choose you you feel free to pick whatever she gets to be a lesbian with i guess then damn maybe maybe go get her a giraffe
1: <clears> then <throat> <laughs> she doesn't have to kneel down to look the pussy
0: Wow, you should not say those things out loud. Well, you're you said higher than a giraffe's
1: pussy last week,
0: and <laughs> I can't get over it. <laughs> okay, so I did.
1: Uh, one of the weeks, I don't know when it was.
0: <clears throat> um. Okay. Could you imagine my grandma, a lesbian with another woman? I couldn't believe that. It crossed my mind a couple of a couple of times. Lesbo grandma. What a thing, huh?
1: Well, think about you. You close-minded
0: cunt. Right. A let. Okay, close-minded cunt, huh? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Who knew? Bisexuals don't bother me, but Lesbo Grandma's gotta fucking go. Yeah. What? Whatever. Lieutenant Tom Levine of the Medford Police told Sorensen that the local police considered the possibility that the killings were a hate crime right from the start, and regretted telling NPR that anti-gay bias had nothing to do with it. I sat in bed for. I sat up in bed that night and thought to myself, what the hell did I say that for? I regret it now because Ackerman's story was one of the weakest I have ever heard. It just didn't hold water. What ultimately motivated him to pull the trigger, we may never know. Ackerman pleaded guilty to to first-degree murder. On October 27, 1997, he received a death sentence. In 2011, however, a judge reduced the sentence to life without parole after Ackerman insists he hears voices and that he was deemed too illusional. Too illusional?
1: Illusional. How
0: about delusional, you dipshit? <laughs> to aid in his own appeals. He was so illusional. <laughs> you fucking simpleton like an optical illusion
1: he wasn't really there
0: you, <laughs> <Now, uh-ha>! yeah <laughs> thanks for fucking coming back around full circle and fixing my fuck up i appreciate your steadfast dedication to helping me out you I are appreciate. a true teamster <laughs> i appreciate your loyalty i appreciate lo- your loyalty so yeah damn lesbo grandmas not okay God. You can be bisexual. Why would you even say
1: that? Like let people I don't know. do what they're going to do. Fuck. If your grandma wants to be a lesbo, let her be a lesbo. She's if you're, happy. Hey, you if, rather- your gra-
0: yeah. if your grandma wants to be naked lesbian, let her be a naked lesbian.
1: Mm-hmm. It's hmm Like fun. once they're at your grandmas and you're having sex, it's all gross. So who gives a fuck who it's with?
0: <laughs> it's true. Like if you're if you're okay with your grandma being openly and actively like spread on the table like Thanksgiving by dudes, it should be equally as disgusting because it is. It is. So but Just- but at least ladies are like in gentle <laughs> ladies are pretty about it when they make the sex it's pretty yes just saying
1: an old face might <clears throat> not be so pretty because it's crunched up but it's
0: so good <laughs> oh goodness you I took it there sorry okay so, moving on so sure, sorry so sorry moving on
1: the next is the appalachian trail attacks rebecca wright was a smart young woman a mixed race master's degree student who loved the outdoors and her girlfriend of two years claudia brenner the two had met at virginia tech and although wright had lived with a boyfriend at the time the two women were still giddy with young love albeit a closeted one brenner an architecture student and wright decided to hike the appalachian trail in pennsylvania camping at furnace state park Part of the vast public lands that link the trail. The couple camped in an isolated wilderness area, reveling in the privacy and the freedom to express themselves. That meant being naked, making (laughs) love and cuddling like young lovers or like parents when their kids go away. Yeesh. Yeah. Yeah. When Wright ran to a deserted public restroom nearby on May 13, 1998, she encountered Stephen Ray Carr, a local mountain man who lived in a nearby cave. He was carrying a small rifle
0: can we rewind that back to he was oh, living no. in a nearby cave? What did I say? No, that's legit. Oh. You said it properly. <laughs> Motherfucker lives in a nearby cave. Is that not normal? I mean, <laughs> I don't know what's
1: normal in Pennsylvania, but I feel like
0: I just want to stop hair. everybody because they, hey, he uh, he lived right around the corner in that archive, and that is okay from where they are. Do you I know live in a cave neighbor? by shit in a corner. What, yeah. what did you expect out of this guy? I kind of feel like you're expectations were set a little high for Ooh. somebody that lives in a fucking cave yes uh, anyway proceed uh, have fun in your cave okay
1: spooked by his presence the women left the campground to find a more private place to set up camp they ran into car on the trail but finally thought that they had ditched him after setting at camp uh, setting up camp again and making sure they were alone the two had sex unbeknownst to them Carr was indeed watching and of course wellness- he fucking was god fucking pervert and moments later, Brenner felt bullets piercing her neck, face, arm, and head. Wright was shot too, in the head and back. As Wright collapsed, she told Brenner to run for help, and the wounded woman, bleeding significantly from the five bullet wounds, would hike four miles and flag down two cars in order to get help five shots and four miles i i can't do that in state, B- the state that the fatness that i am in right bitch, now four
0: miles feels like a lot to me and i haven't been shot
1: no jesus
0: good yeah. f- god damn terminator Fuck. anyway jesus, for real
1: <clears throat> brenner was rushed to the hospital she was still there when she learned that the police had found right dead laying exactly where she had been when she was shot car's bullet had pierced her liver Brenner, who had Mm -hmm. never told the police the two women were a couple, was left to grieve in silence. By the time police found Carr, he had been hiding in a local Mennonite community where locals didn't have television and thus couldn't recognize him. (laughs) The killer had come up with multiple defenses, first saying that his rifle was stolen and then at trial... um, claiming that the women had taunted him with their sexuality by making love in front of him.
0: Those lesbians forced me to shoot them after making me watch them have sex. Nobody in their right mind can hear that. And okay, fuck. Go, please.
1: His attorney blamed his inexplicable rage on the couple's lesbianism as well as two rapes. ...that he had suffered as a child and later in a Florida prison.
0: Okay, listen. You don't get to use the panic. Okay? You don't no. get to use the panic. Now, if you are raped as a small child and f- furthermore done so in a prison, I'm sorry for your situation that doesn't make it okay to fucking kill people.
1: And if you see people having sex that you don't want to watch... Don't. don't watch it. Don't look. You just stop looking. You just, you, just stop watching. Like, pretty, these pretty fucking things simple. That are included in your eyes, called lids, and you close them. Jesus. You can also turn around. There's so many options. Uh,
0: clap your hands over your eyes like a small child. Like, <gasps> and you can even gasp if you'd like. Yeah, if it makes you feel better, you can make that noise. Suck in hard. But don't, <laughs> that's what she said. But don't shoot people. Don't kill people. No. You fucking butthole.
1: The judge, though refused to allow the women's sexual relationship be brought up in court, a rare and surprising move at the time when the gay panic was still a valid defense, and Carr made a plea deal for life in prison almost exactly a year after Wright was killed. Brenner went on to become a crusader against anti-LGBT violence and wrote a moving memoir of the events that killed her partner. It was Eight Bullets. One woman's story of surviving an anti-gay violence. Now,
0: goddamn, do not, don't, no, don't fuck with the lesbians. Let them be. God,
1: we like them.
0: Um, some of my favorite friends are lesbians. Hey. This is actually, I, uh, this situation, this entire story really bothers me for a multitude of reasons, and it's the Jenny Jones murder. And the reason why I don't like this is because I feel like they tried to pull a fast one and it ended in somebody's death. The competition among television talk shows in the 1990s was very intense and everybody was trying to goose the ratings, okay? So for those of you who don't remember The Jenny Jones Show, hop on YouTube, find it. You'll actually find the gentlemen that are part of this story.
1: Jenny Jones. Jenny Jones.
0: Uh, No jenny jones ricky lake maury povich gerard or er, uh Peraldo, um and what's the, o- the old guy uh donahue phil donahue yeah Anyway, the Jenny Jones show certainly wasn't immune to any of these pressures. Now, Jones, who was an affable, likable girl, originally set out to do more touchy-feely, Oprah-esque talk shows. When the ratings never materialized, producers moved into terrain that would become the 90s talk show staple, like boot camps for teens confronting their bullies, paternity tests, and secret crushes. Well, it was on one of those shows, March 6, 1995... Fied... 1995. 1995. <laughs> I went to Hyde. That sounds like something that you bought off like an Armenian t- 1995. In
1: 1995. <clears throat> It'll be five minutes, ten minutes.
0: It, it was five minutes, ten
1: minutes ago. Fuck. It's 1995. Thank you. <laughs>
0: 1995. Uh, March 6, 1995. Scott M- Emidyar. Yes. Amedyer. Scott Amedyer came onto the show to confess his secret crush on Jonathan Schmitz, a man he knew from his former home in Michigan. Schmitz had assumed his secret admirer was a woman, and though he handled the taping of the show with what appeared to be a calmness, Uh three days later, he actually drove to Adamir's home and shot him to death. Then he called 911 to confess. There was plenty of speculation in the media suggesting that Edmure's sexual advances caused Schmidt to fly into finger quote gay panic rage Stop with the gay panic rage, okay? But, however, others thought that Schmitz acted out of internalized homophobia. Many pointed the blames at Jenny Jones and her producers, as do I. In 1999, Edmure's family won a $25 million judgment against the Jenny Jones show, as well as Warner Brothers and Telepictures, which produced and distributed the show. For negligence in creating an atmosphere... (laughs) (laughs) Atmosphere. Stop. an atmosphere that led Edmure's led to Edmure's murder I'm saying that all fucked up <laughs> it was a verdict that the victim's advocates celebrated and the Michigan Court of Appeals later overturned it at Schmidt's trial Edmure's family <clears throat> was there his mother testified that her son had told her the men had sex after the taping of the show <sighs> uh- Sorry. Schmitz was found guilty of second-degree murder in 1996, but the conviction was overturned. He was then tried a second time and found guilty of the same charge. In 1999, he was sentenced 25 to 50 years. Now, here's my thing about this whole thing with the Jenny Jones show. hmm to my understanding schmitz had asked repeatedly because it was not uncommon in that time for people to go onto these shows and then find out that their spouse had been having an affair mm-hmm. and the affair was with a same-sex individual or whatever he had asked multiple times am i going to be surprised by the sex of the person i am in fact going to meet a woman and they said yes it is a woman multiple times they said it was a woman therefore that's why they were held culpable over the entire thing don't try to bamboozle people with that shit now if i was going on a show and they like if i was an unmarried person and i went on a show and they they were like oh you got a secret crush i'd be like sweet and it happened to be a female i would have been like ah Probably not going to be a long-term thing, but I'll bump thuglies with you. <laughs> I will fucks you, and I will fox you good. <laughs> <laughs> but if I'm going to be a... And my... I've said this multiple times. If I'm going to be in a relationship with somebody, I'm in a relationship with somebody because they're the person that I like. But generally speaking, I prefer a masculine individual.
1: Yeah. All right. The next story is the bystander effect. <laughs> There's a psychological phenomenon called the bystander effect, which more people who are present in which more people who are present at the crime the less like, likely people are to help the victim of the crime. It applies to both crimes and other emergency situations. If there are few or no other witnesses to the crime, people act. The theory has been tested in a series of studies, but what led to those studies and the or, or the origination of the term, which is also called the Genovese term, uh, Genovese syndrome, was the brutal 1964 murder of a young New York lesbian named Kitty Genovese.
0: Kitty, Kitty. Oh, that just makes me sorry. Every time I hear Kitty, it reminds me of fucking Monsters Inc. Kitty. Oh, it makes me think of Kitty on that '70s show. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, sorry. I go, I
1: go a little bit different than you do there. <laughs> when 28 <Kitty. laughs> year old Kitty Genovese got off work at Eve's 11th hour bar, it was already after 3 a.m. So she drove straight home to the apartment she shared with her partner, Marianne Zilanko in the cute garden section of Queens. She was heading towards her apartment door when Winslow Mosley approached her. Clearly afraid, the slight young woman ran, but Mosley caught up with her and stabbed her from behind twice. Genevieve screamed, shouting, oh my God, he stabbed me, help me. What happens next has been the subject of much debate, numerous botched newspaper reports, and psychological studies. Her cries were heard by several neighbors, and according to American psych- and to American psychologists, one of them, Robert Moser, yelled for Mosley to let that girl alone as the attacker was about to stab Genevieve again.
0: <laughs> Leave her alone. God, what and do you do don't though? do that. <clears throat> what do you do?
1: Right, like I want to run down and get stabbed? Uh, no.
0: Like if I'm if I'm within striking distance and I can smack you with something to perhaps help, but like I don't know what I don't no. know what I would do. I can't be like you know what I would do because I do that a lot. I don't know what the fuck I do. I
1: don't really either, to be honest. Mm. The lights came on in nearby apartments. Mosley ran away to his vehicle, but as the lights went back off again, he got back out and began to follow Genevieve, who had reached the doorway of her apartment building. Police reports from that night are fuzzy. Some say that the police didn't take the call seriously, and others say there was only one caller nearly 30 minutes after the attack, who reported that a woman had been beaten as she was walking... Had been beaten, but she was walking around. Some newspapers reported the killer hid in his car. Others reported that Mosley drove around until it was safe to return to his victim. What's not in dispute is that Mosley found Genev- Genovese and stabbed and raped her. Genovese had reached the doorway of her building and, according to the New York Times, cried out, I'm dying. Greta Schwartz heard those cries and called police and ran to Genovese, holding her in her arms until the police arrived. The Times reported that police discovered that 38 people had heard part of the attack on Genovese, and only one, Schwartz, had called the police. Later, American Heritage analyzed the case and reported that only a dozen people had heard anything, most of them not realizing what was going on or the severity of the attack. After the Times article came out in 1964, Psychologists dubbed this the first example of the bystander effect, but the article was said to be so sensationalized and inaccurate that in 2007, American psychologists wrote that many modern psychology textbooks had gotten the facts of the case all wrong. While they call the case more of a parable, The editors didn't dispute the bystander effect, which essentially boils down to the fact that the people feel a diffusion of responsibility to act when in groups because they think someone else will. Feminist psychologists later tackled the case, saying that it was better viewed through the lens of male-female power (laughs) dynamics rather than the bystander effect. Q Gardens historian Joseph D. May analyzed the case for on the media and reported that Genevieve could not have screamed for the duration of her attack, saying the wounds that she had apparently suffered during the first attack, the two, the two to four stabs in the back, caused her lungs to be punctured, and the testimony given at is that she died not from the bleeding to death, but from asphyxiation. The air from her lungs leaked into her thoracic cavity, compressing the lungs, making it impossible for her to breathe. I am not a doctor, but as a layman, my question is, if someone suffers that type of lung damage, are they even physically capable of screaming for a solid half hour? That's the quote from the on the media fella, Joseph D. May. The married Mosley was arrested and admitted he set out to kill Genevieve because he wanted to kill a woman as women didn't fight back. He admitted to two. He admitted to two other rape murders as well. He was initially found guilty and sentenced to death, but that was overturned, and he was later given life. He has been denied parole fifteen times so far. Films, books, and even the graphic novel *Watchmen* covered the Genovese case. Kitty is why. Oh, Kitty is why Rorsach, Rorsach became a vigilante. Though many works used that original and inaccurate New York Times report. Most recently, Stephen Levitt and Stephen J. Dubner used the Genovese murders as a case to study a discussion of altruism in their best selling Super Freakonomics. What a cant.
0: So many's, all the minis.
1: I don't care why he killed her, but the fact that he killed her like that and then like came back and i don't like it
0: came back found her again raped her stabbed her more just mm-hmm. i wanted to kill a woman they're pretty defenseless thanks asshole. and this is why when people are like fucking when when women talk about being afraid i'm like i am not will they overpower me sure they can are they gonna hurt me fuck they absolutely could but I'm going to take your fucking eyes out in the process.
1: I'm going to try to out crazy you, and I'm going to go for all the all the spots.
0: I will chew your fucking heart out of your chest. Watch mm-hmm. me go. So we close up, close up shop. Yes, we did close up shop.
1: Closed for the day. Closed. Mm-hmm. So be
0: good, be kind, and lock your doors,
1: and be open minded,
0: and stay, stay out of chalk lines. lines. Goodbye. Goodbye.